good morning and welcome to episode 113 of Life Song Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks along with Phil Ramsey and welcome back into another week of the program. We're excited about this week. I am. I say that every week, but I truly am. Yeah. We're getting close to the end. Um, One uh, more chapter, is it? Well, we got to finish up chapter five today um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, chapter six to, uh, to wrap it up. So we should finish it in the next three months. <laughs> So. This, this lesson's all about you today. All about me. The first part is about you. The second part is about me. I got you. Yeah, no, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, uh, yeah. It's, before we, uh, hey, before we do, uh, you had asked me to listen to uh, a sermon you had done a few weeks ago. I think it was the, the Lord's Supper at Crossway. Yeah. You, and, uh, and I was going did to. Did you ever listen to I it? I did. I actually I either listened to it yesterday or the day before. And uh, close your ears, Jimmy. I don't want you to listen to this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Close your ears. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was a good word. That was a good, good word. And Jimmy, he he uh, preached before the Lord's Supper. And I'll tell you, it was, it was overwhelming as far as what the Lord's Supper is for, why we do it, who should do it, who should not do it. The dangers of it. You had like seven points. Do you remember off the top of your head what they uh, were? Well, yeah. Um, they're. Uh, I'll say this before I give you the seven points, and I'm not going to preach the sermon. But uh, as well for that. Yeah. Um, it's it's real dangerous it for is. us to come, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that that really uh, I guess has um, has um, maybe bothers me is we don't tell our people this stuff. As a, as, a, as, a, as a whole in our churches, we're not warning our people of the dangers of coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. And that's what we're doing mm-hmm. is we're allowing uh, people to come to the Lord's table in another unworthy manner. And the other part of it is, is that uh, we're also having open Communion mm. instead of closed communion. Uh, communion is closed. It's closed to a certain specific people. And when you have the communion, you just have it open for anybody and everybody. Then you're then you're allowing and you're inviting people who are number one who have uh, who who might come to the table in an unworthy manner. But you're inviting people who aren't even children of God to come to the table. Who aren't even a part uh, of this. Who aren't able to come to the table Mm -hmm. biblically Mm -hmm. and uh, we're allowing that to happen in our churches today and it's dangerous it's very dangerous there's some major things that happen as consequence god takes it seriously yeah um so the seven points that i preached on is um the significance of what it is what the lord's supper is and the first one is is that it signifies our union uh with christ and with each other uh, it signifies our union with Christ and with each other. It also reminds us that, that of our salvation, and we've been saved of or under a new covenant. Uh, so we have uh, salvation under under a new covenant. Uh, the third thing is that the, the Lord's Supper is a uh, is the public proclamation of of the Lord's death. So we are publicly proclaiming not just uh, not just uh, pastors who might uh, uh, be the one or deacons who might be the one actually passing out the bread and the cup, uh, but each and every person who partakes in the Lord's Supper, uh, we're publicly proclaiming that Christ uh, what Christ did for us. And it's also a time for self-examination. And I think that's probably one of the biggest points of uh, um, 
of the of the entire seven that I gave, uh, besides the last one. But uh, self examination is something that we are not encouraging uh, people to do enough. We have to examine our hearts and examine ourselves, as Paul tells us uh, in in actually in the text that I use from First Corinthians eleven. We have to examine our sin uh, and, and and examine our hearts for sin and confess that before the Lord uh, before we come to the table. But we also have to con- uh, examine our attitudes that we bring to the table, mm-hmm. and that's something uh, that that's real dangerous. Uh, a lot of times we come to the table with a flippant attitude. Paul says the, the Lord's table is, is life and death, and that's why we have to take some time to examine uh, our hearts before we come to the table. The fifth the fifth thing is that the Lord's table is an object lesson, and I will explain that one just a little bit because that doesn't make sense just listening to it. Uh, it's an object le- lesson, so there's a there's significance to what it means uh, to to the bread and to the wine or the or the cup as it's passed around. Uh, there's a significance to that, uh, and and ba- basically it's saying it, it's it's a picture of grace and, and the unlimited supply of grace that, that Jesus supplies to us. So it's a uh, the the uh, the bread and the cup sustain us physically in a physical manner as far as our hunger goes our hunger goes uh, but the object lesson is the spiritual lesson in that is that the bread and the cup also sustain us in in sustain us spiritually mm-hmm. does that make sense so that was the fifth thing the sixth thing is that uh, the lord's supper promises or points us to the promise of jesus's return and uh, i said this during the sermon but uh, it's real um it's real when you look at how God works. Works uh, when you look at uh, the Lord's Supper is uh, it's it's a it's it has tenses to it, right? There's tenses, past, present, and future. So we look at the past and what Jesus has done. We look at the present and uh, and the communion that we have with Him now at the table, and then we look at the future and His promised return. Um, and so in the text in First Corinthians 11, uh, Jesus says, uh, "Continue to take this until I return again." Mm-hmm. And we need to do that and realize that the Lord's table is about the resurrection. See, Christ can't return if he's dead and in the grave somewhere. So mm-hmm. it's a picture of re- of the resurrection. But the last thing, and probably uh, the most important thing, is when we come to the Lord's table, is a memorial of Christ's death. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's probably the most familiar words out of the whole text in 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, we have to understand the Hebrew mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in in that time, Absolutely. Jesus gave the Lord's Supper uh, to to his disciples. All right, and they're Jewish, and so we have to understand that mind frame and their mind uh, set at that point in time. And so when he told them, "Do this in remembrance of me," uh, remembrance uh, or something of a memory, we think of it as is just recalling facts or, or something that we uh, you know we're remembering something that happened in the past, but actually uh, remembrance to the Hebrew, to the Jewish mind in that time meant reliving something, mm-hmm. reliving the effects of it. So that's what we need to do when we come to the Lord's table. We need to try to picture in our mind uh, the cross. Right. And that's what he was telling them. Well, look, Jim, I didn't ask you to preach the sermon. I did not sorry. ask you to preach the sermon. Uh, sorry. But he just gave you seven points, and he, he, he goes in, in depth on each one. So go to lifesongradio.com. Be sure and check that out. Yeah, uh, I put we, that under. Just go to my blog. I think I post where I posted it. Okay. So we're going to get back in. Uh, we're in Galatians 5. We're going, to, we're going to start around 19 and try to wind it up, if possible. I believe in miracles. Uh, but I would like to just, uh, uh, we, this past week we had a death in our family. 
Glenda Glass Jackson. She's her, you know, she's Glenda Glass. She was married to Benny Glass years ago, and uh, he passed away, and she remarried. But she passed away this week, and she had cancer, and uh, it kind of took a turn for the worse pretty quick, mm. you know, a little unexpected, uh, but. Uh, the funeral was this past week, and uh, I'd like to dedicate this show to her. Uh, we're a real, real close family, and they're they're real, real close. It's going to be hard. Uh, one of the songs that was played at the funeral was uh, Blake Glass, her grandson. Mm -hmm. And uh, my girl, Reagan, she sang in the backgrounds. But I want to play that song in, uh, before we come back and get in our study. And I believe it's uh, You Raised Me Up. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. So, Miss Glenda, you will be missed, and we will see you soon. We'll be right back with some more Life Song Radio. When I am down and all my soul so weary When troubles come and my heart burdened be When I am still and wait here in silence
leads me up to more than I can be. Beautiful, beautiful song. Mm. I love that. Amen. Jimmy, we're back in uh, chapter 5, verse 19 of Galatians. If you'll read 19 on through 25. All right. Uh, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. A cut, Jimmy. Cut, cut. These are the ones I was talking earlier that apply. Mm, Sorcery especially. (laughs) Start back over. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Mm. disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Amen. Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I thank you for this platform and this opportunity for Phil and I to get together and just break apart your word and, and dine on it, Lord. I look forward to uh, to this every week. It keeps me faithful in studying, uh, but it also uh, pr- provides me the opportunity just to really grow in your word, Lord God. And so thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we don't take it for granted. And, and Father, we, we, we pray for those who are listening right now. Pray for their hearts. We pray that, that those those believers that are that are uh, that are listening right now that are that are taking notes and that are studying with us today Lord we pray that that they will grow spiritually uh, and, fa- and father uh, those who are listening to us right now that that don't know you uh, Lord I just pray that through the message of today and through the gospel which I know we'll share I just pray that you open their hearts open their minds and open their eyes to the truth of your son we ask these things in his name amen amen well, this is a, one of those big days. We've had a lot of big days. Every day is a big day mm-hmm. when you study God's Word. But these are one of the click days where things just, in my opinion, they click. Yeah. And there's some issues here where we're going to uh, going to address that you know a lot of people have questions of because we know that uh, it, when it will get to it. But if you do these things, the Bible says you don't have the kingdom. So we got to address that mm. because when you were reading that, I'm like guilty, guilty, guilty. And then if you keep reading, then I won't inherit the kingdom. So uh, hopefully it'll click with you today yeah. in what all of that means. And so what we do in the first list, these are the results of evil desire. And the second half that you you read, the virtues of the second are the are the the results of walking in the spirit so Mm -hmm. like last week we talked there was a walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit and now we're going to play it out we're going to look at some of these things that was talking about when you walk in the flesh this will happen when you walk in the spirit this will happen Mm -hmm. so uh jimmy let's begin well um 
First thing, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. Uh, I'm reading from another translation than one I just read from, but, uh, but that's okay. I mean, I, I study, and when I put my notes together, I studied from a different translation, but it uh, means the same thing. Um, so the Greek uh, would indicate that these sins that we're talking about, not necessarily exhaustive. It's not an exhaustive oh, no. list. So if you don't find a specific that's listed here, a specific thing mentioned. Don't think that it, it gives you free reign. Hang on, it's coming. <laughs> that's right. Don't say, oh, okay, so I didn't find so-and-so there, so I'm free. God said, or God didn't say that I didn't. I couldn't do that. So that doesn't mean that it's not a violation in the eyes of God. So these are only, I would call this in the text a, su- a suggestive list of sins. Yeah. So uh, Paul, uh, I, I, he could have listed a whole lot of other sins, uh but but he didn't because I think these sins falls in fall into uh, categories and I think that's pro- probably the best way to look at what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So you got sins of sensuality, sins of uh, sins of false doctrine, sins against others, and sins of uh, maybe uh, 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 excess. Um, I guess you would say uh, adultery uh, would be uh, would be the fall into the sensuality. So. Um, if you want to go by each of them one by one, um, adultery and fornication and all that, we can. But uh, or can we can just summarize right over it? But yeah. uh, I'm prepared either way, Phil. It's your call. Okay, let's just go with the flow and see what happens, <laughs> okay. and let the spirit lead us. Amen. <laughs> one thing right off the get go. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, or the works of the flesh. This mm. is a plural word. And when we, when we talk about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, we, we see something right off the get-go. The works are plural, and the Spirit is singular. And uh, so I think we'll get to that later. But just take, take note of that, that these things that it just mentioned are things that happen in an unbeliever lost person's life. And they are many. That doesn't mean you have all of them, but you're going to have some of them. If you had all of them, you'd be the devil right off the get-go. But so, uh, like Jimmy said earlier, if yours was not listed or mine was not listed, that doesn't mean that it's not included in all this. But this is a good general overview of what plays out in a lost person's life. But here's the deal, Jimmy. Some of these things even play out in a, in a, in a believer's life. Yeah. And we're going to get to that, too. That's so, right. Jimmy, Jesus made it uh, very, very clear. Man's basic problem isn't really what goes on outside of him, but, but what is within him. In Mark uh, 7, 20 through 23, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. That's in Mark 7. So man's problem isn't isn't his outside, it's his inside. And guess what? We were born that way. That's right. We were born uh, in this... uh, in this situation. It's not something we do and become. It's something who we are and it plays out in our life. That's right. So the heart is man's problem. 
So let's look at some of these deeds of the flesh and just kind of touch on them just a little bit. We won't, we won't go in, in depth too much because we could spend a lot of time doing that. Hmm. But uh, well, yeah, We could go by one by one and talk about each one of them. But I think if we cover them categorically, um, we, we can we can probably get through them. Um, like I said, uh, kind of, you could look at these in four different categories: uh, sins of excess, sins against others, sins against false do- uh, sins of false doctrine, and uh, sins of sensuality, which include uh, the first few: uh, adultery and fornication. Um, this is the area of sex. These right. first few. That's right. Um, so adultery. Um, pretty big deal uh and and it's interesting to point out that that adultery nor not even murder uh is included um in uh, in this list in the mm-hmm. king james version if you read in the king james version uh the word adultery or the word murder is not used now that doesn't mean that it's not important i mean in the old testament murder or i'm sorry adultery was a capital crime when you read through the accounts of the Old Testament, uh, it was so serious, God viewed it as a violation of the family unit, which he still does. But it, it, we don't look at adultery today as a capital crime uh, the way they did uh, back in the Old Testament. So adultery is a, is a violation of of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, we promote it. <laughs> pretty much. Just turn on the TV. That's right. Every, it's not just the shows. Every commercial. Mm-hmm. They've got websites now encouraging you to start adulterous relationships mm-hmm. while you're still married. That's It's ridiculous. Well... It's a product of a fallen world mm-hmm. and God removing his his hand of re- restraint, in my opinion. Uh, immorality is, we get that from the word, uh, actually it's pornea, which is, we get the word pornography from that. So it is a, just kind of a broad meaning referring to all illicit sexual activity. So that includes adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bestiality, prostitution. All of those will fall under the category of immorality. Well, really and truly, you're absolutely right. Uh, but it's funny when you look at the uh, the Greek word uh, uh, for fornication. That's where we get our English word pornography is from the Greek mm-hmm. word for, porn- uh, for, for fornication. So the Greeks used fornication for prostitution. So uh, what it was was a love that's bought and sold uh, without the involvement Um without involvement of the person or, or without involvement with the person. So you've got uh, a, uh, a, a, you know, sex should have been, you know, love was always included in God's intention with sex. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a prostitution, it was a, it was basically looked at as a love, and I'm using air quotes here, that could be bought and sold and there was no involvement, no commitment, no intimacy, uh, the way God describes intimacy uh, between the two people. It was just, uh, it was a deed, and, and it served a, a, a purpose. All right. And, and so, impurity uh, means unclean. Right. Uh, a lot of times in scriptures, it's used. It's a term used for both moral and ceremonial uncleanliness. Mm-hmm. So that's impurity, and we see sensuality. Uh, that. You know, all, like I said, all these are falling in kind of the same category, but this deals with a lack of a res- restraint mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, uh, sexual things in nature, unhibited things. So Reckless. Reckless. Uh, the second group, that was the first group. The second group, we were dealing with idolatry and sorcery, and idolatry actually is anything you put before 
God. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something, that can be yourself. That's your will. That's your job. That's your family. Right. So anything that you put before God is idolatry. How many, when we, when we look at our lives, Jimmy, and I say this all the time, I know I'm a broken record, but look at your life. Where does God fall in place? Mm-hmm. Or does he? So anything you put before God is, is idolatry. I mean, and, and what do we, we Christians do that all the time? Yeah. I mean, we do. We this is probably one of the sins that we all say that, that we fall into every day, uh, because we uh, we don't commit maybe those big sins every day. But this right here is probably the biggest sin uh, that, that all Christians fall or fall into every day. We put our careers, our our families. Uh, if we are business owners, we, we, we put that before God, uh, making money and uh, anything that we put in that principal place in our lives in front of God, uh, then we uh, then we commit idolatry. And so, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say that that our families should not be important to us. Our families should probably be the most important thing on this earth to us, the f- most physically important things to us uh, because God gives us our families, our spouses and our and our children and those would be our primary uh, focus in our lives, but but when we put start putting even our families in front of the Lord, then we're, 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 you know, committing idolatry Yeah, and it's sin, but, he, but go back. What was the very last verse? Do you remember just off the top of your head? Don't start turning and looking. Don't be called, man. What was the very last verse of first John when we, when we studied? I can't remember. Very last verse almost seemed like it was out of nowhere, but he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Hmm. It's the very last thing that he said. Right. So, um, that you know, God doesn't want us to put anything in front of Him, and we do. And we do every day, every day. We walk in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Sorcery, the word um, pharmakia, where we get the word mm-hmm. pharmacy. This uh, back, you think we got drugs now? They had <laughs> drugs back in too, and they and they incorporated those drugs hallucinating type drugs in their actual worship that's right so sorcery is uh and when we think of sorcery today we think of black magic things of that nature and it definitely can be that but also uh, mind altering drugs is a part of sorcery sorcery was actually one of the sins if you remember that destroyed babylon um, uh, back in Isaiah 47, uh, go and look at that. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, go and look at that. Okay. This third group, uh, it deals with, uh, I would say, sins as, against, as in relation to human relationships. Sins against each other. Yeah. Or one another. In enmity. Enmities. Right. What does that mean, Jimmy? Enmities is a, um, I guess, a hatred. Unhateful attitude. Yeah, maybe. Hatred. Um, every believer, every believer has, and this is something that, that, that we need to keep in mind, especially as we're talking about uh, walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. Every believer has the same potential as, uh, um, as a lost person. Sure. Has the same abilities as a lost person. To go back to that state 
of lostness. You can't go back to that state of lostness, but you can go back to the uh, to the things of the flesh. And does that make sense? And so hatred, isn't if you, it? Yeah, if you did crack cocaine while you were lost, when you get saved, uh, crack cocaine's still there. <laughs> That's right. And you still desire it. That's right. But you now, you choose to walk in the spirit. All right. And while doing that, you're not doing crack cocaine. That's right. <laughs> Pretty uh, vivid illustration. Well, so, I mean, I understand that you like to use uh, <laughs> you like to use personal illustrations and test, personal testimonies. Watch it. <laughs> so, um, but hatred, enmity, it's it's a it's a it's a. Or hatred is a state of enmity against uh, against somebody. So it causes uh, us to to put somebody in the role of an enemy mm-hmm. uh, in our lives. So it's uh, animosity, uh, those things. That's that's what uh, hatred, and it's 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 closer, probably to. It's closer to home to some of us than sorcery, but, uh, you know, we all have uh, struggled with uh, hatred, just like we've all struggled with idolatry in our lives. Uh, There are people that we get mad at all the time, and hatred, uh, the proverb says, hatred stirs up strife. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, it's a hateful attitude, but if it's a hateful attitude, usually it comes, it plays out into actions eventually. So... Jealousy, jealousy. So, what is the term jealousy here? Well, um, resentment. What you say, and what does it mean, or what is the actual Greek term? Is that what you're asking? Maybe it's. What does it mean? I think it means coveting what belongs to someone else. Envy, envying, um, coveting. Uh, but you also have some uh, really a, a resentment against somebody else's success mm-hmm. when you're jealous of somebody think about it you not only want what they have but you really don't want them to have it true so uh that's our society today i right. think a lot of it that's right so uh we will a lot of times look at look at friends people that we that we claim are close friends and we look at their successes why why not me mm-hmm why can't I be rich like Jimmy Hicks? Well, listen, it's famous not, celebrity in Tipton County. That's right. That's right. Come on, keep going. I keep big, big multi-million-dollar pastor of the Mega Crossway Baptistical Church. I'm gonna give you 30 minutes to quit talking that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, listen. Think about this. What I, where I was going with that before you uh, interrupted me. Um, is we look at friends and we look at people in our lives and we get jealous of the of of the things that they have we envy the things that they have we but a lot of times we focus when we think of jealousy and envy and coveting on physical things but look man we don't even think about that we're sinning when i look at when when i as a as a christian I look at another believer and I look at their spiritual maturity level and their spirituality and I envy that and I want to be where they're at. That's sin. Is that bad? Is that mm-hmm. is that sin? Because the thing about it, think about it, when you envy and you're jealous, what did I just say? You're not only you you have resentment towards that person because you want to be where they're at. Yeah. I'm inspired by others. Well, that, that's a no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying that. We can be inspired. We can be. We can desire to be where people are at spiritually, but when we let it take a foothold in us uh, uh, as jealousy or, 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 or envy, and that's that's real easy to do. See, 
if I look at Phil and I see that he's, and this is just an example, but if I look at Phil <laughs> and I see that he's more spiritually mature than me, and uh, I said that's an example, I know, uh, but if, <laughs> but let's just let's just call it true. <laughs> no, see that would be a lie. That'd be another sin. But no, if I see that you're more spiritually mature than me, uh, I could. I've got the choice. To let that inspire me and come to you. And, and in a place of inspirement, I could come to you and say, hey, teach me or ask questions. But a lot of times what we do is we sit back and we look at those people and we, uh, number one, out of jealousy, we tell other people, I think they know everything. Yeah. Or we'll look at other people and say, or pe- people that are close to us and we hear Phil talk or hear Phil say something, we'll look and, you know, whisper that's not right. That's not really right. Mm-hmm. He's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of stuff because we're jealous of where each other are at. And that's sin. Yeah. And that's not humility either. So no. I've been at, I've been in an event, uh, it's been years and years ago, where two preachers actually talked. And it was almost like a battle, mm. a jealousy between who could do the best. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because what one of the guys, t- one of the people preaching said to me, and uh, I was like, I just had so many red flags go up. I'm like, this is not about a performance here. Just teach and preach the word and everybody wins. I've run across people before who, you know, when you are faithful to, to studying God's word and and uh, maybe you're being discipled and discipling other people, you start to accumulate resources. You start to accumulate, um, you know, whether you have books uh, and, and all these type of things that you've run across that, that are good resources for you in your study time. But but even uh, with the internet the way it is now, you, you accumulate resources on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I've, I have run across situations where, where Christians won't share resources with other, other Christians because they feel like, well, if I tell them, they're going to get all my info. Look, this is God's word. Yeah. Come on. There's not anything new. <laughs> Absolutely think, not. What's it? Agent Rogers said that. He, he was preaching something that he got from somebody else. And he's like, it's not anything new. That's right. We're all one big family. But when you do that, that's where pride starts to enter in is you might run across something that, that I might run across later. And you might you might say something profound that I could say later and impress people. Come on. Yeah. But that's, look, we fall into that all the time. Yeah. And not we don't even realize it. All right, let's move on. Let's just let's go down drunkenness. Mm. Uh, drunkenness and carousing. You know, a lot of things happened back in the uh, back in the day, and it continues on today. But back in the day, when it comes to pagan worship ceremonies, there were carousing means has a uh, the word orgies associated with it. Oh wow! So. There were some uh, very dark things going on. And these people that Paul was writing to in Galatia prior to their conversions, they were a part of this. You know, they were a part of these these uh, these uh, carousing and drunkenness. Hmm. So that's not good. No. Um, it speaks of a... Um the word in its original form is not just intoxication. It is, but it's not in, in, a, in a sense of intoxication by a strong drink. The way we think of it today, when you hear that somebody's got a drunkenness about them, they're drunk. It's really more about the moral degeneration 
of, um, of that it causes, and that's where really sin comes in. Is not um, look. God says, "Don't get drunk with wine or strong drink," um, because of uh, of what it does uh, to you. Uh, look, if I was to get drunk and pass out. There are there are some consequences there, uh, just physically on my body, but more where the sin comes in is uh, is the you know when your mind is altered the things that you can do, mm-hmm. uh, the things that uh, when your mind is altered it puts you in a position to where you step outside of uh, of any values or morals that you that you may know. I mean, it gives Absolutely. you inhibition to to go and do things that that you wouldn't normally do. So uh, the Bible can. St- condemns the state of even being inebriated um but you know even if you're just sitting at home and getting drunk and passing out and you're not around other people it's still it condemns the whole uh, uh, state of inebriation i began drinking at a very early age and uh, and drank heavily heavily until i was saved and uh and i didn't drink to, for the taste of it, even though I acquired the taste for it, I drank to get drunk, just to be honest with you. But the more I drank, the more my mind would go. I'm usually a very, very um, passive individual. Uh-huh. I don't like confrontation. Now, when I would get drunk, I'm ready to fight somebody. Yeah. And that's not my, that's not me, because I don't like to fight. But when I would do that, my mind would go different places. I begin to do things I normally would not have done. So it's, it's dangerous. I said just a second ago that, uh, that, that drunkenness, it's not so much about the drunkenness itself, but, but really and truly, I guess it is because, you know, absolutely what you just said, that, that it makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do in a sober state. We see, we see examples of that in the Bible. Uh, look, I mean, uh, um, Lot had sex with his own daughters because he was drunk. That's not something that he would have done if he would have been sober. One thing about all of these things we've been talking about, the devil did not make you do it. These things are within a man. Mm-hmm. Have you heard it? What is it? You remember old Fred Sanford? You remember that show? Lamont and Son? Yeah. What, what was it called? Sanford and Son. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were born. When that was. Man, Red Fox. <laughs> His old sister, Esther. Yeah. The, I think she said that a lot. The devil made me do it. Yeah. Well, when it comes to these things that we have just mentioned, the devil did not make you do it. These things come from within, not from Satan. So we're all born this way. Mm-hmm. We we may not do every one of these things, but these are descriptions of things that play out in our lives as a result of our evil hearts. Mm-hmm. And nobody made us do it. That's right. We do it because who we are, and that's not good. But we got some good news. We're we're about to get to some. Uh, some good stuff but you know jimmy as we're reading this as we stated earlier when you do these things guess what you cannot enter the kingdom that's right because it's an example or it's a proof that anybody who who walks in a practice of any of these sins it lives a lifestyle of a practice where they do these things continually without remorse uh without any confession without any uh any type of repentance uh that's just proof positive that you're not saved 
Well, when you read these things, some of you that are listening may say, well, look, they named about 20 of them, and, I did, and about 10 of them applied to me. Let's say you are a Christian, and, and you heard all these things we read, and you're like, well, am I even saved mm. because I do this? Some of these things I sometimes do. Yeah. The key word in every bit of this, and Jimmy said it, is the word practice. Mm-hmm. The word practice is a present active participle. Prasso's the word. This is a ongoing action. It's continual. It's habitual. And and these if it's continual and habitual, guess what? You're not saved. You're not saved. And that's hard uh, according to what the word says. That's right. It's, and it's in and, and you know, you're not arguing with Phil and I, but you're arguing with the word of God. And look, this is not uh this is not from a place of us trying to uh to upset anybody, but at the same time, um don't let anybody ever tell you that you have salvation or that you might be saved if you're in a lifestyle of sin. Uh, just because you got dunked in water one time or you uh, walked before church and professed that uh, you wanted to walk with Christ the rest of your life and somebody said that you were saved, but you go leave from that church and, 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 and you continue on in an adulterous affair or you uh, continue struggling with alcohol. Uh, and I'm not saying that... that that uh, those that struggle with things or those that fall into sin sometimes are not saved, but at the same time, you're going to have some remorse about you. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be fighting these things yes. if you are truly a child of God. So you can't live in a state of sin. You can't practice sin without feeling absolutely horrible about it. You you almost go into a state of depression uh, because you're fighting with sin. When you go from a place of not fighting with it and you're okay with it to a place of fighting with it constantly, Constantly, whether you're winning or losing the battle, that's proof positive that the Holy Spirit has come upon you because he's not going to let you be comfortable with sin. Good. That's good. You said it, said it very well. Uh, habitual lifestyle of sin. Now, is it Jimmy's job, is it Phil's job, or any other believer to judge whether you are saved or not? No. God is the judge. That's right. It's up to him to do that. But when we see brothers and sisters, and sometimes Jimmy needs to come to me because I may have sin in my life. If he loves me, he's going to come to me, mm-hmm. and we're going to deal with it. If you know God's word and you willfully choose to keep on sinning habitually, and it defines your lifestyle according to to the Word of God, not feel, not Jimmy, but according to what God says, and He's a judge. Uh, you need to examine yourself because you might not be born again. That's right. That's absolutely right. And we hope that's not the case. No, but you can't. A believer, a true born again believer, can never be comfortable with walking in a state of sin. It's not going to happen. Sin and the Holy Spirit cannot dwell together cannot now, they can exist together but because you have the holy spirit the sin in your life you're uncomfortable with you you struggle with it and i've said it and i just said it but uh, i guess i want to i want to hit this point home to those of you who might be spitting at your radio right now or, or arguing uh, through it to us but really and truly if 
we all go from a state of, of, of being lost when we're lost, when we're, we're living lifestyles of sin at that point and we're fine with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother us. We don't feel bothered by it. But when we become saved, we might still struggle with things, but that's God's way of pressing us and pressing the sin out of us and, and pushing it out of us. And that's the process of sanctification. So you might become saved. You might become born again and, you might be lost today in an alcoholic and, 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 and get saved. Well, guess what? When you get saved, you're still an alcoholic, but you're not going to be comfortable drinking. Doesn't mean you're going to immediately stop, but that means the comfort level uh, will leave you and uh, you're going to struggle with it. And you're going to be miserable until you're able to stop sinning. Well, can feel as a born again believer, can he be immoral? Yes. Mm. Can he have jealousy? Yes. Can he have outburst of anger like he did at Jimmy before we start recording? Yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can I be drunk? Yes. Can I envy? Yes. I can do every one of those things. That's right. But it's not my lifestyle. It's an in- internal battle between the spirit walking, choosing to walking in the spirit and choosing to walk in the flesh. We, Jimmy, were crucified with Christ when he was. That's right. Guess what was crucified? Our flesh. The flesh. Mm. So let me give you a visual, okay? You you didn't grow up on a farm, did you? I did not, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) If, uh, well, back in the day, and probably still now, they would wring chickens' necks. They Mm. really would. They would grab a chicken, wring his neck. And so actually... This is pretty visual, but the chicken's head would come off, but yet the chicken would keep flopping on the ground. And uh, so what Christ did, he killed. We were crucified with Christ at the cross. Our flesh was crucified. Our heads, the chicken's head was cut off. But as long as we're on this earth, we will keep flopping around until the last nerve dies. When the last nerve dies, he will split the sky. We, when we see him, we will be like him. Hmm. So we have everything we need. God has given, in these next verses that we're not going to get into, we have everything we, God has given us everything to walk in the Spirit. That's right. Now walk in it. That's it. But God has gifted you with these things as a born-again believer. Now you have to choose to utilize them by walking in the Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have patience, you have kindness, you have love, you have understanding, you have self-control over those outbursts of anger, Phil. <laughs> walk, in the, walk in the spirit and, and, and take advantage of it. And we'll get more in depth with it next week. Yeah, I don't think we, we shouldn't like we did last week. I think if we opened up this can of wonderful things here, mm. we'd need another hour. So we, you want to make sure you tune in next week. We're going to, we just dealt with the deeds or works of the flesh, and they are many. Next week, we're going to deal with the fruit singular mm. of the spirit. And Jimmy just said it. Give you a little teaser. You have everything you need. That's it. Every, all these fruits that we're going to talk about next week, you have every one of them. Mm -hmm. Somebody prays for patience. That's right. You got patience. 
Yeah, and we'll talk more about it next week. But uh, you have it already. Yeah. There's no sense in asking God for if you're a born again believer, there is no sense in asking God for patience. You know, and and I've been a world's worst uh, offender of this. God, give me patience with my children. You know, I don't want to scream at them, holler at them, uh, have outbursts of anger. Give me patience, and so I can be more understanding with them. Uh, Look, I already have that patience. So here's what happens, and God's faithful to answer in our prayers. So a little teaser to next week. When you get down on your knees and you pray to God for patience, as a born-again believer, you already have it. So God's faithful to to answer in the prayers of his people. So God will answer your prayer, but not in the way you're asking for it. You're asking to be overtaken with patience and just stop having outbursts of anger. Look, he says you already have the patience. Walk in the Spirit. And so what he does is instead of giving you patience that overtakes you and just you just start walking in patience, he gives you more opportunity to walk in the spirit, to utilize the patience that you already have. So when you start praying, the dangerous prayer is asking him for patience because he's going to give you more opportunities to be patient. Mm -hmm. So when you need patience with your kids because your kids are acting wrong and you're having outbursts of anger, you pray, God, give me patience. He's just going to make them act up even worse. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, eating lunch with my father a few minutes ago and was kind of talking a little bit about this and I said daddy it's almost like this if I had a, a if you know we sat down at the table at the restaurant and the waitress brings some ketchup and things out and I had ordered a hamburger and and she delivers the hamburger and I look on it and there's no ketchup and I just start praying lord I just need some ketchup but the ketchup is right beside the table. She's already she's already given me the ketchup. Mm-hmm. Now take the ketchup and put the ketchup on the hamburger. We we won't do. But we want God to do it for us. Yeah. So that's the thing. He won't do it. He won't put the ketchup on the hamburger. So it's like this. <laughs> Even more to 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 to. I guess expound on what you're saying a little bit more. It's think of Christmas time. You're at Christmas, you, and, and, and so your your family walks in, and they got all these gifts uh, that are wrapped up and, and, and addressed to feel. And so all your family has come in, and they've given you these gifts, and they lay them beside you, and they've given you all of these things, gifted you all of these things, and then you look at them and you say, well, "Where's my presents? Where's my where's my where's my Christmas present?" And they say, "Feel they're right there next." Well, open them. You open them. Mm. No, open them for me. No, you have to choose to pick the present up and open it. And you have to choose to, to take. The gift is yours. The, it's here. It's yours. I've given it to you. But you're going to open it and you're going to use it. It's up to you to use it's it. It's up to you to open it and use it. And it's up to you to walk in the spirit and use the gift that's already been gifted to you. Hey, Amen. That's a good, uh, good lesson. So if all these things play out in your life, uh, you could be lost. And you, you can be saved and these things still happen, but it will not be your pattern of life. Mm-hmm. If you're living in sin, if you're living in adultery, if you're living in immorality, if these things are habitual in your life, uh, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I pray that you receive them today. Jimmy, would you tell the people how they can receive Jesus today? Well, let me let me give you a we're illustrative people if you haven't noticed. We like to give you pictures of stuff. But I was thinking about this the other day because there's somebody that that has come on my heart recently that I that I want to share the gospel with and I was thinking, you know, and I know this person and I was thinking to myself, how can I make them um see see this? And so I thought about this illustration. Just think about it a second. Think of a, a, a caterpillar, all right? What does a caterpillar do? When you look at a caterpillar, you see one on the ground, what is it doing? I step on 
<laughs> I'm sure you do. But seriously, what what does a caterpillar usually do? Crawling on the ground. Yeah. Crawling on the ground. Okay. What can what else can it do? Nothing. All it does is crawl on the ground, right? And it can't it can't get up and walk, it can't run, it can't fly. Why? Because its nature is to crawl on the ground. But something happens to that caterpillar. Something automatic happens to that caterpillar. At some point in that caterpillar's life, through no effort of its own, it begins to change into a butterfly and it becomes a butterfly. And then what happens to that caterpillar at that point? It's a butterfly. So what does that butterfly do? It flies, flies. right. It doesn't crawl. It flies. It has a new nature about itself, right? Mm -hmm. So it's through no effort of the caterpillar that it becomes a butterfly and it begins to fly and have a new nature. And that's the same for us as, as sinners. We, we compare, we compare yourself to that caterpillar. You have no choice, but to walk in sin. You have no choice, but to live in sin, but through no effort of your own, God intervenes into your life and he saves you and he gives you a new nature. And so now you're like that butterfly. You have the ability to fly, uh, like that butterfly. You have freedom. Mm -hmm. from sin and so that's what it's like you god gives you a new nature and now because you have that new nature you don't desire to crawl on the ground anymore like the butterfly you don't desire to sin anymore and so we're all born that way we're all born like the caterpillar we're all born sinners uh and and so we we live a life that uh, we shake our fist at god Really and truly, we hate him. Why? Because we're born with that nature about us because of the sin that entered the world and God put it, you know, and, and the curse that came as a result of that. And so we have no ability to obey God in that sinful state. So what God has to do is he or what God had to do was he had to provide a way for us to have the ability to not sin. Mm -hmm. And that came through the form of Jesus Christ, his son. He sent his son into the world. He sent his son uh, to be born of a virgin, to be born with the same nature, basically, that we have. Uh, Total human. Right. To be a complete and total human and face the same temptations that we face every day. The only difference was Jesus was able to not sin. Jesus had the ability and he did. He didn't. He didn't succumb to sin. He lived a complete and total sinless life. He, he died on the cross. Absolutely perfect. And how did he, how was he able not to sin? He walked in the spirit. That's right. He chose to walk in the spirit. And he is the only one that's ever done it perfectly. Mm -hmm. We haven't because we have been born into a fallen world. That's right. Where Jesus came, like Jimmy said, tempted in every way, but he walked in the spirit and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. Mm -hmm. And by him doing that, we now can have, we can become butterflies, Jimmy. That's right. And how we do that, we repent. Repent of our sins. Is it, was this your lifestyle? Let me ask you a question. What is your life about? What takes up your time? What are you thinking about all the time? What are you doing all the time? Is it totally against God's nature of who He is? Are you living in a way you should? Are you, are you living an immoral lifestyle, ma'am, sir? Are you doing things that you shouldn't do and God calls that sin? Are you gossiping? Are you overeating? Are you jealous? Are you envious? What do you think about? Do these things define your life? If it does, 
repent. Hmm. Repent. Say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm going to believe what you said. And I'm going to turn from this lifestyle. And I'm going to cry out. Cry out for mercy. For you to give me something I don't deserve. And that's your life. Mm-hmm. And the Bible promises that if you cry out on his name and you turn from this wicked lifestyle, his word promises he will save you. And when he does, that doesn't mean you're not going to battle in this relationship you have with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that you won't be tempted. And sometimes you might even fall. But you won't stay there because you can't. Because the Holy One of the universe, the Holy Creator of everything, now indwells you. And sin has no part in Him. It's just like the butterfly and the caterpillar. Once that but that caterpillar changes into the butterfly. Now that butterfly has the ability to land on the ground and walk on the ground just like that caterpillar did, but he won't because why? He has wings and he can fly now. So he doesn't desire to crawl on the ground. He might still every once in a while fall to the ground and crawl around, but he won't stay there very long yeah. because he can fly. Yeah, snakes are on the ground too. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Uh, look here. Let's give a shout out. Let's give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to a lady I know. She lives in uh, Lauderdale County. Mm. As a matter of fact, I know her real well. Oh, you she's a, I've known her for, she's known me. Well, I've known her for 48 years. She's known me well for 48 years. She's a faithful listener of the show. And uh, she calls and we talk and she asks questions about what we've talked about. Her name is Betty Miller. Uh-oh. Her name prior to that was Betty Ramsey. Oh. So let's give a shout out to Miss Betty Miller, uh, a.k.a. my mama. Your mama. Miss <laughs> uh, Betty, one of the finest women I've ever met in my life. Yeah, she's sweet. Member of uh, Walnut Grove Baptist Church yeah. in, uh, in in Ripley, just outside of Ripley. Wonderful place, a lot of great people at Walnut Grove. Uh, and uh, so uh, your mother is... Uh, is uh, is, is truly a special lady. You're blessed to have a mother like her, but I think she sometimes that. What did I do? God, what did I do for you to give me this kid? I'm playing. I'm playing. She's a sweet, sweet lady. Yeah, she listens every week. And uh, all right, look, we got to wind it up, Jimmy. Uh, again, we thank you guys for tuning in. If you didn't hear it today, or if you want to hear the remainder, go to lifesongradio.com mm-hmm. and uh, be sure and share that with a friend. See us on Facebook. You'll make sure you get back next week. Well, we can wind this up. This was bad today. We talked about some bad stuff. Next week is uh, is some. It's good stuff. It's really good. So last week we or this week we 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 talked about Phil. Next week we'll talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time uh, that we've had here today. Lord, we just thank you for your your precious precious word. We we're so grateful that you provide a way. And that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we were hopeless, hopeless without Him. And You loved us so much that You sent Your only begotten Son. And everyone who believes in Him will not perish. Lord, I just pray that the listening audience, that Your Holy Spirit work in their hearts and uh, give them a desire to fly. Lord, we just pray that you do that today. That's what we're asking today, that you save people. 
Lord, we thank you. It's in your precious son, son's name that we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Folks, we'll see you back here next week in the Life Song Radio.